Well, I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles uh, this morning, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It'll take me a little while to get there, but we will eventually uh, get there. Uh, as you know, on Sunday mornings, I've been uh, preaching on following the footsteps of Jesus. And as I've been preaching on that, we've been looking at the chronological order of the life of Jesus. And as, as we've been doing that, last week we came to John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, we saw the very first miracle that Jesus performed of turning the water into wine and where did that take place that took place at a, we a wedding in Cana and so as uh, we looked at uh, I've been uh, getting ready to preach on weddings right I've been get getting ready to preach on the subject of marriage this is the week of Valentine's and so I was going to preach on that and uh, getting ready for that doing all my studying and working on it and seeing you know how all of that's going to flow together and the Lord just kept pressing on my heart and I kept ignoring it and he kept pressing on my heart and I kept ignoring it no you need to go a different route this morning you need to do something differently uh, than that so confession's good for the soul what I'm going to do this morning I have never done on a Sunday morning. I've never done anything like this on a Sunday morning before. And what is that? I've done it many, many times, but I've never done it on a Sunday morning. You say, well, what in the world are you fixing to do? I might have some of you kind of nervous a little bit, but uh, it's going to be all good. That's going to be giving a witness training. Amen. How to share your faith with somebody else. I've preached many times on the subject of we need to share our faith, right? We need to share our faith with every lost person that we come into contact with and how important uh, that that is but sometimes we may simply not share our faith just simply because we don't know how to share our faith right we don't know how to get a conversation started we don't know if we do get a conversation started uh, we don't know what to say after we get a conversation started so this morning's message is going to be all about the gift of love and so when we all we look at the gift of love Tammy said it uh, very clearly just a little while ago the greatest gift of love that we could ever receive upon the face of this earth we have received uh, is the gift of Jesus Christ, right? The gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation, the gift that God gave to the world by sending His only begotten Son, Jesus, down to this world to die for us on the cross of Calvary. And so we, if you have received that gift, you're never going to get a greater gift than that, right? You're never going to receive a greater blessing. Sure, God has many, many blessings out there in store for us, but that is the greatest the gift of your salvation far exceeds any other gift that you will ever be able to receive within your life. Therefore, the greatest gift that we can give, right? Here it is, Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day. And, and so... Uh, you know, Dell and I was kind of discussing our uh, our week this uh, uh, yesterday evening. We were sitting there discussing our week, whatever, you know, what all we was going to do this coming week. And so, uh, uh, you know, we, we've got a bunch of different good uh, things going on. We've got uh, skate night tomorrow night, which is going to be real exciting. Looking forward to that. And then I asked her, you know, I had, I, I had a momentary lapse of reason, right? I, I said, what are we doing Tuesday evening? And she just kind of looks at me. Right. Gives me that look. She's not in here right now, so I could talk about it. She's back there with the, in the nursery, probably watching on the TV back there. But it, oh, so I'll hear about it later. But we met on Valentine's Day, right? We met on Valentine's Day. So that is the day we met. So it's not just Valentine's Day, but it's the day that we met. And so, of course, we want to 
come up with some gifts. You know, what are we going to give for Valentine's Day? What's going to be a good gift? What's going to be something that will show that significant other that you truly do love them, right? And so uh, we can't express uh, love through gifts, but, but it is an expression of love when you do give those gifts. But what is the greatest gift that we could give an individual? We already looked at the greatest gift that we could receive, and that is the gift of salvation, of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the only way we receive that gift is by faith because God already gave that gift, right? Just like when you receive a gift today, if, if you have to work for it, if you have to earn it, if you have to do something to receive that gift, then it's not a gift, right? It's a wage. But what do you do? You just reach out your hand, you receive that gift, you take it unto yourself, and you're thankful, you're appreciative for the gift in which you receive. Well, what is the greatest gift that we, could re, uh, we can give? The greatest gift that we can give, friends, is the gospel. Amen? That is the greatest gift, and it won't cost us anything because it's already been paid for through by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And not only that, it's not going to cost the other individual anything because it is free to all who call upon the name of the Lord. Now, the Word of God tells us in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 30, it says, He who is wise wins souls. And so as I've been preaching on the you know, importance of sharing the gospel and sharing our faith and I'm very passionate about that you know God has just been really pricking my heart that we need to have a time as a church or we need to focus up on you know how to share the gospel how to cast those gospel seeds right how to let other people know about Jesus Christ the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and share the gospel message the greatest gift that the world has ever seen or will ever see but the fact remains you know a few weeks ago and God really burdened my heart about this when I saw this. It just really uh, shocked me when I, when I saw this. And I shared this with you a few weeks ago uh, when, when I heard this uh, speech given by the director of the Cascade Center uh, of Church Excellence. And he said, half, one half of all reporting Southern Baptist churches last year, one half of those church did not baptize one single person. Did not baptize one single person. Now there's 40,000 Southern Baptist churches, 40,000 plus Southern Baptist churches. And so when you think about that, you know, I don't know the statistics for the BMA. I don't know statistics for other denominations. It's just a statistic that I, I should just so happen to have heard. But when you think about that, that is astounding. That is heart-wrenching. That is heartbreaking. When you begin to think about that, and churches all around us are shutting down, they're shutting their doors down, and they're struggling. And, and you know, when we think about that, we have the solution, amen? And the solution is Jesus. The solution is the gospel. But what we're going to have to do as men and women of God is we're going to have to share the gospel, right? We're going to have to step out in our comfort zone. I, I, I said something that wasn't entirely true. It's not going to cost you anything. It will cost you. We're going to talk about that here in just a little while. It's going to cost you a few things, but you have to ask yourself the question, is it worthwhile? Absolutely, it's worthwhile. I mean, it's going to cost your time. Sometimes it will cost you, you know, sometimes it even uh, costs you friendships. Sometimes it might even cost you a job, right? Sometimes it's going to cost your energy. It's going to cost your effort. Uh, sometimes it's going to break your heart. It'd be heartbreaking, you know, whenever we 
share the gospel and somebody then rejects the gospel message. But here's also some uh, interesting uh, statistics as we uh, begin to think about that. According to statistics, 90% of church members, and that's talking about those who are active and involved, not just those who say with their lips that they're Christian but never darken the doors of the church, but those who are actively involved in the church, 90% per practice the sin of silence. And what is the sin of silence? That you never, ever, ever share the gospel. You never share the gospel. And friends, that is a sin of silence because the Word of God is extraordinarily clear that it is all of our responsibilities to share the gospel. So that's why God put this upon my heart this morning to share with you this very easy method of sharing the gospel, very easy that anybody can do it, a child can do it. Listen, my nine-year-old granddaughter has been being a witness for the Lord and sharing the gospel and seeing people saved, amen? And so if she can do it, you can do it. Anyone? One of us can do it, but we just have to have the heart to do it. We have to have the desire to do it. Tammy just sang those songs about heaven, and so we realize that heaven is real, and heaven is absolutely real, and we ought to look forward to that day in which we're going there, and we ought to be excited about our loved ones who are there, amen? And, and so we long for that day. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, amen? That ought, that ought to be an uplifting song for every Every single one of us that know that we know that we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. But friends, if heaven's real, hell is too. Amen? Hell's real as well. And not everybody's going to heaven. In fact, Jesus said the majority is not going to heaven. Broad is the path that leads to destruction and broad is the gate that enters therein. Amen? And so as we begin to think about this, we also see another interesting uh, statistic that's given by the Institute of Church Growth. It says 75 to 90% of individuals who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, 75 to 90%, and of course it varies in region, right, Uh, according to the region, and 75 to 90% of those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that weren't a part of the category that was brought up in church, right? You've been raised in church, you heard the gospel all of your life, you've been, you've been in Sunday school, you've been in vacation Bible school, you've been in uh, you know different other, other different functions, Awana, and you've heard the gospel all your life, and then you ended up coming to know Jesus Christ. That, that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about unchurched people. 75 to 90% of those individuals that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because a family member, a friend, or an acquaintance shared the gospel with them, right? Now that's astounding. That's astounding, right? When we begin to think about that, 75 to 90% of them came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because, not because a pastor came, not because a church had an event, not because there was a tent revival, not because of uh, Billy Graham came to town, but because a family member or a friend or an acquaintance shared the gospel with them. <coughs> Yet we have 90% of active church members that aren't sharing the gospel. Friends, we've got a problem. Amen? We've got a problem. 
And we need to be active in sharing the gospel. So the question is today, as we present before us, well, how in the world uh, do we share the gospel? I've shared this with a couple of folks recently. Uh, William Fay, he wrote a book called uh, Share Jesus Without Fear. This is a man that will share Jesus with a light pole. Amen. I mean, he will, he will share the gospel with anyone and everyone that comes into his faith. And he has had, he's had thousands of one-on-one gospel conversations with individuals where he has shared his faith with and so this is something uh, that I've taught in the past and usually on a Wednesday night uh, environment never have I done it on a, on a Sunday morning and so there's many methods to sharing the gospel right there's many different ways of sharing the gospel what I'm going to share with you this morning uh, is just that method that he outlines within uh, sharing Jesus without fear there's actually study guides that goes along with this he, he he's getting kind of old now I'm not sure if he's still doing seminars he used to do seminars uh, on this and so at one time it was a very popular method but you know the only wrong method of evangelism is no evangelism amen of course you need to be sharing the gospel you need to be communicating the gospel clearly and you need to be communicating the method of salvation clearly and that is by faith in Jesus Christ amen and if you're doing that clearly friends you're going to be effective and he suggests that we start off with five questions right we've got the those icebreaker questions and so of course this is uh, usually with individuals that you just kind of randomly meet that you may not know and so as you begin having this conversation with them the first question uh, that you might ask them you don't have to ask it exactly like this but around about do you have any spiritual beliefs now that first opens up the door do you have any spiritual beliefs you first open that up and, and, and see where they are right um, they might say that they're an atheist they might say that they're Hindu they might say that they're Muslim they might even say that they're a Christian yeah right I'm a Christian yeah I, I believe in Jesus right and so then you go on to ask them the next question to you who is Jesus to you to you personally right this this is talking about your own personal relationship your own personal walk to you not, not what the preacher said not what your denomination says but to you who is Jesus. And depending upon the answer to that question, they might just flat out right there say, yo, he's a, he's a good man, he's a prophet, uh, I don't even believe Jesus existed. Now you can't deny the, the, uh, histor- uh, the, uh, the, the history of Jesus and the fact that he existed, that's absolutely impossible. Now we're not here to argue with people at this point, right? We're not here to argue with them, we want to hear where they're coming from, right? We want to hear what they have To say so to you who is Jesus, depending upon what they say about that, then you can go on to ask them the next question. Do you believe in a heaven or a hell? I believe in heaven, but you know, God's a God of love. And if God's a God of love, then then he, you know, how could a God of love send send somebody to hell? I mean, really, you know, I don't don't believe in hell. I believe in all that heaven stuff. Yeah, sure. And, And maybe I even believe I'm going there. But how can a God of love? Send somebody to hell. That's not the time to argue with them about that. We're still listening, right? We're still listening. And then he goes on to ask the next question. If you died, where would you go to hell? Now, you might hear somebody say that Jesus isn't just the way to heaven, but he is one of many ways to heaven. And so then when you ask them this next question, when you die, where are you going? Right? Oh, I'm going to heaven. 
Well, not if you believe in a fairy tale Jesus that is one of many ways. Of course, that's not the time to tell them that, right? There's going to be a time, and we're going to get to that time, but right now we're listening. We're learning, right? We're seeing where they are. And as we're seeing where they are, and we're listening, and we're learning, and we're gleaning from where they are spiritually, we're not speaking right now. Maybe we'll respond with them, mm-hmm, or something like that. You know, that, that's about it. We're just listening. And we're asking these questions. So the next question, if you, if you were to die, where would you go? You see, this is where the rubber starts to hit the road, isn't it? You see what happens with this conversation. You, you, you start off with a very broad question, right? And then it starts getting narrower and narrower and narrower. So you're not starting off with a real controversial question uh, right now, right? right? Right off the beginning, right off the bat. You're starting, <coughs> you're starting off with a real broad question, but ultimately leads up to this very personal question. If you were to die... Right now, where would you spend eternity? Now, depending upon the answers to this will be dependent upon where you're going to go from there, but maybe they gave you some answers that just aren't biblical. Maybe they gave you some answers that just don't line up with the Word of God. Maybe they just gave you some answers that just aren't true. That's when we pull our Bibles out and we ask them that last question. If, you, if what you were to believe is not true, would you like to know the truth? Now, if you just told me what isn't true, doesn't line up with Scripture, would you like to know the truth? Now, probably not a good time to pull out a 10-pound Bible in front of them. It might scare them to death, right? But it's good to, you know, have a, maybe a pocket Bible or something like that. And so, you know, you have that pocket Bible. I've, you know, I've got some little Gideon Bibles, and, you know, you can just stuff them right down in your pocket or put one in your top pocket, and they're real convenient, and I, I can't really read them anymore unless I have, my, I have my glasses on. So you need to make sure you're in that position to where you're able to read those. And so maybe pull that out. You know, a lot, most everybody has the Bible on their phone now, right? So pull that out. And so as you pull it out, say, can I share the truth with you? Now, they might come back to say to you, you know, maybe if they're not a Christian, they might say, well, you know, that Bible is, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I don't, oh, I don't believe in that thing. It's, it's full of contradiction. So oh, really, why don't you show me one? Oh, uh, 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 well, you know, I've been studying life, uh, the Bible a long time. I haven't been able to find one either. Well, that book's full of fairy tales. Share with me one of those fairy tales. Let me hear what you got to say about that. Well, you, you, you know, they get all tongue twisted and tongue tied and don't know what to say. Well, I've been studying the Bible a long time. I haven't found any of those fairy tales in there. You mind if I share with you some truth? They might tell you no. They might tell you to get out of your face. They might tell you don't want to hear about it, that, that I don't want to hear anything that you have to say. But they might say, okay, share that with me. Share it with me. And that's when you open up your Bibles. Now, this is important for you to do. You say, well, man, how am I going to memorize all those scriptures? You know, there's several scriptures right there. Romans 3, 20, uh, Romans 3 uh, verse uh, 23, it's supposed to be. My apologies for that. Romans 6, 23. Romans 3, uh, John 3, 3. Uh, John 14, verse 6. Romans 10, uh, 9 and 11. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 15. And Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20. Uh, then you say, how in the world am I going to memorize all those? Well, that's when marking your Bible comes in handy. Amen? Mark your Bible, outline it. 
You, you go into, if you have a pen, correct that. It's Romans 3.23. My apologies for that. And so as you look at that, you know, your very first scripture is Romans 3.23. So the only one that you have to memorize is Romans 3.23 that I'm going to start in Romans 3.23. So you outline that and right beside that, you write down Romans 6.23 so you know where you're going next. Right? And right beside Romans 6.23, you write down John 3.3, 3, and so you know where you're going next. And then right beside John 3.3, 3, you write down uh, John 14.6, so you know where you're going next. And then you write down uh, beside that Romans 10.9 and 10, so you know where you're going next. Right, And you continue to write that. Isn't that easy? Amen? That is so easy. Anybody can do that. And so as we look here in the Word of God, Romans 3.23, and so the Bible begins to break down every single one of those arguments. You haven't argued with them, right? Right now you are practicing the art of silence. You are practicing the spiritual discipline of silence. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 19, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Amen. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Now's the time to practice that. You need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And so as we're slow to speak and we're quick to listen, we're not the one interjecting. We're trusting in God to interject. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit to pierce people's heart because you know what? The Bible says that the Word of God will not return void. And so what we're about to do here is we're about to open up the Word of God. Of course, you don't have to explain all of this to them, right? That might be, you know, beyond them at this point, might scare them to death. They don't know how to receive it. They don't know how to accept it. But we know that we're just going to let God do His work. We're going to remain silent and we're maybe even in a state of prayer while we're doing that. We need to be prayed up at all times. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. And so we're looking here in the Word of God. We're starting in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And so what what we need to do is we need to not just quote it, not just quote it because, you know, if we quote it, for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Maybe you've never heard that verse before. You're like, what did he just say? <laughs> right? I've been accused of talking fast before, right? Some of y'all have accused me of talking fast, and that's okay. I've been being accused of talking fast ever since I've been preaching, and I've tried to slow it down and put it a little bit slower, but it just it's one of those things, can't help myself, right? It just comes out, and it just flies out of my mouth. But if you just quote that, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, a lost person who's never heard that scripture before a day in their life, it just went, it went right over their head. They did not hear a single word that you said. They don't have a clue what in the world that scripture says, and you have just lost them so what you do is you take your bible you point it towards them you put your finger underneath the text of scripture and you say to them read this along with me now do not do not call people to read right there's many reasons why you never call them so unless you know them if you know them it's different but if you don't know that individual do not ask them to read maybe they don't know how to read maybe they have a complex about reading in public maybe they're they have a difficulty reading and so you have just killed it right then and there when you've asked them to read right so you just say with them simply read this along with me right and you've got your finger underneath the text for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? And the only thing that you have said 
at that point was Scripture. You ask the questions, and then you have the Scripture, right? Read it along with me. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that verse mean? Ask them. What does that verse mean? What does it mean? Well, I don't know. Well, let's read it again. All right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that verse mean? We've all sinned. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. I didn't say it. They said it. Right? For all have sinned. Right? So as we look at that text of Scripture and we begin to examine that Romans 3.23, again, don't forget to make that correction uh, there in the piece of paper, Romans 3.23. And so then you just skip over a page or so. And then in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, you do the exact same thing. For what, what, what are we looking at now? Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. What does that mean? You ask them again, what does that mean? They're giving to you the answer, what does that mean? Well, the other verse meant, for all have sinned, right? And this one says, the beginning of it says, the wages of sin is death. Wow. It's it's starting to register with them now, right? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So they're now repeating this back to you, right? They're hearing you say it, and hopefully they're reading along with you, and now they're repeating it back to you, and it's being emphasized upon them again and again and again. And so we just continue to go through there. And then in John chapter 3 and verse 30, it said, okay, well, I've got this uh, text over here marked in my Bible and tells us to turn to John chapter 3 and verse 30. So now, uh, verse 3, I'm sorry. Getting it all mixed up. So John chapter 3 and verse uh, 3, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? What does that verse say? What's Jesus saying right there? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be born again. To see the kingdom of heaven. Again, they're telling you. You're not telling them. And you know, it's important for a lot of reasons. It's important because they're comprehending it. They're they're understanding it. They're knowing it. It's beginning to sink into them that they're getting a comprehension of what the Word of God actually says. And you're not just spitting it out there and them because they might just come up and say, well, it's just the way you interpret the Bible. I'm not interpreting anything. We're just reading Scripture and you're the one telling me what it says. <laughs> Amen? Because I can promise you, they'll, they'll do it, right? Well, it's just the way you interpret no, what the Bible says. You said it said that, right? And by the way, it's pretty clear, you know, when we begin to look at that. So what's John chapter 3 and verse 3 say? You know, Jesus said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So now let's turn to John chapter 14 and verse 6. And see, even this is starting off broadly, And then it's getting narrower and narrower 
and narrower and narrower. And it's going to come to an absolute head. It's going to come to an absolute point uh, at, at the end of this where they're going to be faced with a decision. So now we've looked at the wages of sin. Uh, we, we looked at all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've looked at the fact that uh, the wages of sin is death. We've looked at the fact that unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so building upon each one of these points, now we're looking at John chapter 14 and verse 6. And here it is again, Jesus is speaking. You're reading along with me. I'm saying this very, very slowly to you. My finger is on the page and you're following with me. Jesus said to him, now emphasize that, right? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but through me. See, there's nothing wrong with emphasizing it. We're not, we're not telling them what it means, but we are emphasizing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Right? What does that verse say? There's no man gets to the Father but by Jesus. Right? No man gets to the Father but by Jesus. And so now they're being reminded of what they just told you. Oh, Jesus is one of them anyway, right? Or, or you really don't need Jesus at all. If you're just a good person, you're eventually going to make it to heaven. But that's not what the Bible is saying right here. The Bible says, first of all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Secondly, the wages of sin is death. Thirdly, we find that unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven, much less enter the kingdom of heaven. And now we're looking at Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the Father but by Him. Right? And so you're continuing to build upon this. And now Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. So we're back in Romans. And as we're looking at Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it also emphasizes why we need to uh, get them to speak these things. I believe there's power, not just reading the Word of God, but speaking the Word of God. And so as we do this, speaking the Word of God isn't going to save them. Again, it's faith in Jesus Christ and His faith and faith alone. So now Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 11. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be saved. Disappoint. So what does that scripture say? Well, I don't know. Well, let's read it again. Right? I don't know a second time. Well, let's read it again. I don't know a third time. Well, let's read it again. Right? And you're waiting on the Lord to just open up their heart to where they finally say, Oh, this is what we've got to believe on Jesus. Right? Whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Verse 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You have to believe on Jesus, right? You're, you're not giving them, although it, it may be, it, and it does with me, it's everything within me, right? I'm a, I'm a fixer. I want to fix it. And so everything within me is just screaming, I want to tell them what it means, <laughs> right? But, but you can't, you just have to let the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts. 
right? Let the Holy Spirit speak to their heart. And as the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to them the truth of His Word. And as the Holy Spirit reveals to them in them the truth of His Word, they're going to have that aha moment. That's what it says. We've got to believe on Jesus. Amen? We've got to believe on Jesus. Then we turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 15, and as we turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, we look here in the Word of God once again, finger on the Scripture, saying it very slowly, emphasizing. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 15, And He died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. What does it say? It says a couple of things, doesn't it? He died for all. Whosoever believes on Jesus, right? He died for all. But it says we're to live for him. We're to live for him. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who has prepared for us salvation. Jesus is the one in whom we put our faith and our trust in. And he died for all. But when we put our faith and our trust in him, we need to live for him. Amen? That's important. What do we confess with our mouth? That Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now, if we haven't truly put, in our, put our faith in Jesus then we're never going to live as Jesus is Lord. It's only through faith, right? Only through faith in Jesus. There's no way to live for Him as Lord until we put our faith and our trust in Him. But we're not going to put our faith and trust in Him unless we have faith and trust that He is Lord and that He is Savior. So now we come to the conclusion. We look at the very last verse right here. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And I love hearing people argue about Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. I enjoy it when people do this. Maybe I shouldn't enjoy it when people do this, but I do kind of enjoy it. Say, oh, well, Jesus was talking to the churches right there. He was. Well, how come at the end of every single one of those seven letters to the church, he made every single one of them perfect? Right? And is it the whole church that's going to overcome and go into heaven? It's the whole church that's going to get their individual white clothes or is it the individual? Jesus has given personal invitations at the end, each of in, in, at the end of each one of these letters. Amen? He's breaking it down. Yes, the whole body is for the whole church. But then at the end of this, he's given personal invitations to individuals. I think that is extraordinarily clear within Scripture right there. So in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, we, we're looking at it as we come to the conclusion of, of us sharing the gospel with them. And in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, there it is. Jesus is speaking. We, if we're going to say something right here, that's all we need to say. Jesus is saying this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. What does that verse say right there? I'm not real sure. Well, let's read it again. Now what does it say? Well, I'm still not real sure. Well, let's read it again, right? 
So I want you to know what this says. I don't want to tell it to you. I want you to know what this says. And now finally they're going to say, hey, this, Jesus is standing outside the door knocking. What's, what's the door? Maybe you can ask him that. What's the door? It's the door of my heart. Right? He's standing outside the door of my heart and he's knocking and he's asking to, for, for him to come in so he could dine with him. I, I could dine with him and he with me. And so that's what Jesus is saying right there. And so that is the opportune time. Would you like to do that right now? Would you like to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and to be your Savior? Remember how we do it? We do it by faith. Remember why we do it? Because Jesus said that the Bible says that we've all sinned. The wages of those sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can't enter into uh, the, the kingdom of God unless we're born again. And the only way we're going to be born again is if we believe on Jesus. Right? They've already confessed all that with their mouth when you've asked them, what does that say? And they've already said each one of those points. Well, not right now. Why not? Don't argue with them. Why not? Well, I'm not ready. Why not? I don't feel it's a good time. Why not? <laughs> right? You're not arguing. Just why not? Give, give me a legitimate excuse. Why not? Right? You, you keep putting the ball back in their court. You're, you're, not keep, you're not holding on to that ball playing offense, right? No, you're putting the ball back in their court. Why not? And maybe they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe... God is not dealing with their heart at that particular time for whatever reason. And maybe God is dealing with their heart at that particular time, but yet they are rejecting. But I want you to, I want you to understand when we ask this question, we come to them and we begin to ask them this question. Would you right now be willing to receive Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? There it is. James chapter 1, verse 19, be slow to speak and quick to listen. When you ask them that question, practice the art of staying silent. Don't say a word. And it might be the most awkward silence you've ever been in in the face of your life, right? And it might only last for 10, 20 30 seconds, but it will seem like it's lasting for eternity. But you're going to let them say the first word. Right? Don't interrupt what the Holy Spirit is doing within their life. And maybe they say no. No. You didn't fail. Maybe they, they chew you out. Remember Jesus said they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me, rejecting him. Amen? They're rejecting him. And again, we're not going to sit there and argue with them. We're not going to close the door. We planted a seed. Now maybe somebody else will come back and water, right? And eventually that's going to take root and it's going to grow. Maybe it won't. But even if they never get saved, you didn't fail. The only failure is silence is not saying anything at all. Right? What defines spiritual success is not how many people we see saved. 
What defines spiritual success is whether or not you are willing to share the gospel and whether or not you're living for Jesus yourself. Amen? Because if you're not living for Jesus yourself and you're out there telling everybody else that they need to get saved, then you're a hypocrite. Amen? And so we need to share the gospel, but we ourselves also need to be living for Jesus. Now, maybe they didn't receive the gospel. I didn't receive the gospel the first time I heard it. I ran. These people are nutty as a fruitcake, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. I remember working with a group of electricians. It was in the early 90s. I was working with these electricians. They were from Oklahoma, and all they ever wanted to do was talk about Jesus. And I was so miserable. I didn't want to hear it. I was so sick of hearing it. I got as far away from them as I possibly could. They'd invite me out to lunch, and I'd go eat lunch with them. And then lunch, all they wanted to do was talk about Jesus. They wanted to share the gospel with the waitress that was waiting on us. And I'm sitting there like this, and, and just being so humiliated that I'm with these religious nuts, right? Had pastors come and share the gospel with me. I wasn't very nice to some of those pastors. And I didn't accept it. Matter of fact, there's a statistic, and I get a kick out of this statistic. It says it takes 7.6 times for the gospel to be shared with the average person before they received it. Now, I don't know how you share the gospel 0.6 times, but it takes 7.6 times according to the... Some might receive on 3.2 times. I don't know. That's just statistics. But listen to this. Only God can say. Only God can say. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't cause the Holy Spirit to work in somebody's life. And I can't cause somebody to be submissive to the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. And God's not going to force them to be submissive. But listen, only God can save. All we have to do is share the gospel. So if you shared the gospel and they have rejected the gospel, you have not been a failure. You have been successful because you've done the one thing that God's required you to do in that circumstance, and that's to share the gospel. Amen? But you're a failure when you remain in silence. And you've got family members that are going to hell. You've got next door neighbors that are going to hell. You have co-workers that are going to hell. Now don't interrupt work <laughs> to, call, to, to share the gospel. Invite them to lunch or do it on, do it on off time because boss probably going to get upset with you, right? But then interrupt their work or what they're doing Hey, can I get with you later? Maybe right after work. Something I want to share with you real quick. And according to the Bible, according to Jesus, we're outnumbered. There's a whole lot more lost people than there are saved people. And I just proved to you, it is extraordinarily easy to share the gospel. Very, very easy. Amen? What's spirituality to you? What defines spirituality? What, what, do you, what are the things you believe in? You don't have to share that all with me right now. But we don't have time. <laughs> that easy. And then boom, boom, boom. You know, people like to share with you stuff. 
Amen. They like to share with you stuff. They, they want to express their opinion. Amen. Oh, people like to express their opinion. Well, we're giving them an opportunity to. But it's going to lead to that point. You're to die right now. Where would you go? If you, right here, if you were to die right now, where would you where would you spend eternity? Right now. If you don't know the answer to that question, friend, you better figure it out. You better figure it out quick. Does a loving God send people to hell? Loving God sends his son to provide salvation to to whosoever will that would call upon his name by faith and it is their choice to reject him or accept him and if they reject him it is their own personal choice to then go to hell. Yes, God will do the sending but he's given them the opportunity. Amen? Because he is a loving God. Maybe he's giving you that opportunity right now. Come to know him if you don't already. Maybe he's given you the opportunity to be the mouth, the voice. How will they hear unless a preacher sent? That's what Romans chapter 10 tells us. Guess what? Preaching isn't just done behind the pulpit. It's done out in the highways and the byways and everywhere we are in the, in the, in the homes, in, in the shopping malls, wherever we are. That's where we're going to be casting. That gospel seed. The word preaching just means proclamation. Amen. We're proclaiming the gospel. Right now, during this time of invitation, I don't want you to stand. I want you to just bow where you're at right now. You can come down to this altar if you want to. What do they do in the New Testament? Acts chapter 4, they prayed. And what happened when they prayed? God gave them boldness. What happened when they got that boldness? They went out and shared the gospel and people got saved. So would you right now, as a church, as a congregation, just bow your heads where you're at right now. Again, you can come to this altar if God so leads. Would you just pray for that holy boldness that God would give you that boldness? There's lost people. They're dying. They're going to hell. And it is our responsibility to share the gospel with them. Is that easy? No. Will it strike fear? Yes. Might cause more anxiety upon you than you've ever had in your life. God, I need your boldness. I need you to do this right now as Brother Michael is playing this song of invitation and as the Spirit of God is working in your heart, you pray right now for boldness. Maybe there's somebody in your mind, in your heart right now. God, give me the boldness to share with them. Would you pray that? Right now. Brother Michael, you can go ahead and start playing the music. If you're that one here today and you don't know where you'd spend eternity, today, would you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? All you have to do is put your faith in Him. Jesus, I believe in You. I trust You. 
believe you died for me, and I believe that I'm a sinner that's in need of salvation. Therefore, I'm calling upon you to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to do so. So I'm calling upon you to save me from my sins. I feel you knocking at the door of my heart right now, and I'm letting you in by faith. I'm asking you to come into my heart. Lord Jesus, would you come into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm standing up here for you. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, if you, maybe you've already done that. You want to make it public this morning? You come. Making it public won't save you. The only thing that will save you is putting your faith in Him. But I believe firmly we do need to make that public. We need to let the world know Jesus is our Savior. Maybe you need me to pray with you for somebody that you want to share the gospel with me with. Maybe you want me to pray for you that you'll have more boldness. Come on up here. I'll be more than happy to you.